Hello, and welcome to the Pondering Theologian podcast. I am the host, Nathaniel. So this episode, we're looking at the trouble with sin. And before we start to unpack that title and what it is that I mean, uh, let us look at our scriptures. Uh, The scriptures that I'm pulling from today are Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to talk about other parts of the Bible throughout this episode. I'll try to remember to link them down in the episode uh, notes. Uh, But without further ado, let's look at Judges. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. After Ehud died, so the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar, the commander of the army of Sisera, who lived in Harasheth HaGoyim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly 20 years. At that time, Deborah, the prophetess, wife of Lepidoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinom, from Kadesh in Nephtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take position at Mount Tabor, bring 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army. I will meet you by the Wadi Kashan with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hands. And now from First Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness, for that day will uh, day to you for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us wake up and be sober. For those who sleep at night and those who are drunk get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet of hope and salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with them. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. And then from Matthew. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to their ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. 
In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid their master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed me over five talents. See, I have made five more. Their master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you have handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more. Their master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested the money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from them and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless servant, throw them out into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so if, if you read the title for this episode, it probably seems a little bit innocuous, boring, or perhaps basic, or could be also, you know, scary, being that this can also be one of those um, Bible thumper kind of themes, especially if we think of the old fire and brimstone ideas. Uh, I mean, on the boring side, it certainly doesn't seem revolutionary. It's not new if you're of the... Um, angry preaching uh, tradition. The Trouble with Sin, perhaps the most obvious Christian book title you would read. The Trouble with Sin, you mean that that we all sin? The, the Trouble with Sin, that thing that separates us from God? The Trouble with Sin, the whole reason that the triune God through Jesus Christ had to come to earth? The Trouble with Sin, the cause of every human, economic, ecological, and most every other conflict in history? Yeah, that sin. <laughs> that thing that we oftentimes focus on only some types, usually the ones that we categorize as worse than others and try and undermine the effects of others. Yeah, all that sin. Perhaps for some, this might seem like a back to basics public service announcement or like taking you back to the early years of Sunday school. Sin is a very troublesome thing in our lives, very widespread in its effect. We as a society have underplayed much of what would actually constitute as something sinful. Perhaps it is more desensitized than underplayed. Perhaps it is actually more that we do not actually believe it is sin, or that we might have to answer for those things that we continue to do that is, in fact, sinful. Whatever it might be, I believe that it is vital 
wherever you are in your faith journey, that you understand one, that sin is, uh, what sin is, perhaps being refreshed on that, and the second part, actually taking it seriously. And in the interest of starting all of us on the same page, humor me, even if you believe you have the answer, and ask yourself, what is the definition of sin? Think for a moment, what is the definition? Not what are specific sins, but what is this thing we call sin? Now that you have pondered that for a moment here, uh, the Oxford definition of sin is an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. To break that down a little bit more, sin is the ethically wrong action that goes against the laws, ordinances, and guidance of our God. And more simply yet, sin is doing things that are counter to the goodness of God and therefore against God. <coughs> oh, pardon me. These things are actions, thoughts, and words that we consciously do against God. Sometimes there are things that we do not know are wrong, as we have not learned that yet. However, for the sake of today's episode, we'll focus on the things we do knowing they are wrong, or choose to tolerate and pretend are not all that wrong. Now that we have a baseline, let me say that sin is more prevalent in our lives than we'd like to admit. God created all things good, and we are part of that. However, we in life often become callous or tolerant, intentionally ignorant, if you will, to sinful things. Sometimes we even justify them. And I'll give you one of my examples. I, I confess to you all that I have a problem with the sin of pride. This is not the pride of having completed or earned something, or even in hoping for someone to recognize your accomplishments. It is not either the proud feeling that comes from the joy of doing something that brings good to your life and especially others around you. The pride of sin is that which comes from seeking attention, from becoming self-focused to sometimes the point of forgetting to listen to the Spirit of God and the goodness in others. It's the pride that comes in believing you and only you can do something. My problem with pride comes from a place of insecurity believing that I need to prove that I am good enough. It is a prideful hunt for accolades that will build me up and prove to others that I am good, better than whatever odds you can put in my path. It is a sinful pride that takes my eyes off of God and puts them in the mirror staring back at my own face to try and give myself some glory that is only meant for God. We each have at least one sin that haunts us in some way. I wonder if this is something like Paul had that he called a thorn in his side to keep him from becoming conceited, to help remind him that he was not above God, or the one to take the glory for the work he did in the Spirit, the glory meant for God. Something I do believe is that we often will become tolerant of sin, getting so used to it that we forget it's there. Maybe that is substances, you know, drinking, smoking, or some other stimulant or drug. 
Perhaps that is something more in the lines of vanity or gossip, murder and hate in the heart. Perhaps it is any one of the 1,663 commandments in the Bible that we choose to ignore that do apply to us as Christians. If uh, I have even heard people justify breaking the Ten Commandments. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, yet you can find people ignoring the First Testament commandments entirely because Jesus didn't say this one or that one. I've heard Jesus, or not Jesus, oh goodness. I've heard people justify a lie because it was a white lie, a little lie, or a gray lie. It was a lie, but no one died, went to jail, or something drastic like that. Somehow a lie, even to ourselves, we forget is still a lie. And we counter to the goodness of, uh, and therefore counter to the goodness of God. It is sin. Just like gossip. We might say, a little gossip is fine. However, it is still counter to the goodness of God. Unless I missed the chapter where God spoke to Moses about what he heard from Aaron, or heard about Aaron from Joshua, to tell Moses. It might be out there, probably with the Book of Assumptions. There are many more examples than we have time to examine in a single episode, but I hope you understand what I'm getting at. Sin is something that is in every one of our lives. It is almost impossible to eliminate altogether. And the important thing is to not kid yourself and think you are above sin. The problem with sin is that it often creeps into our hearts and starts to dictate our lives. Like with one bird infected with a disease in a flock, it will start to spread if you cannot isolate it and stop it. The Israelites are people like this. They often had some sort of issue, whether that is having shallow faith and following other gods and idols, whether that was this spirit of rebellion, the spirit of sloth, lust, greed, whatever it might be, they at one point or another exhibit this problem with sin. Israelites that groaned and complained against Moses and Aaron and, and ultimately God let these desires for ease and the slivers of goodness they had uh, turn to discontent and anger against God, who sent help to save them from slavery. In our reading uh, from Judges in this episode, we see that the Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they were punished. They were given over to the consequences of their actions, and they were oppressed by the king of Canaan. The problem with sin, the discontentment, the lust, the pride, the jealousy, the immorality, no matter what, always leads the Israelites into some sort of problem where they are then facing consequences. In the reading in Matthew, we have another parable, this parable of the talents. While it is common to look at this and focus on the talents and the things God gives you, I want us to take a moment to look at the problem with sin in the servant. The servant who had been given one talent, one thing to hold and do something with it as the master went away, this servant, one could imagine, had several reasons for saying, uh, saving that one thing and hiding it away and doing nothing with it fear and doubt of losing it and not having anything to show for faithfully doing something with it. 
This very likely could have crept in, starting with one little thought. What if I lose my talent? My, my master is certainly an ambitious person. And then it snowballed into, I'll keep it hidden from, from everyone. The sin could be simply not being faithful to what the master had taught his servants while they or he was with them. It says the first and second servant went to do something with it, to increase the talent, the wealth. For a servant at that time to know how to do that would mean that they were taught or they watched their master's actions with sincere intent to learn what the master did. This lack of faith from not trusting in the master, from sloth, that, that is laziness, to grow and, and learn to do something with the talent, this could have crept in and influenced them to hide it away. It is easier to put it down and leave it alone. Whatever it is, the problem with sin is that it crept into the servant's life. And in the end, the punishment for this was that thing that awaits all those who are not faithful and dutiful in their convictions to God which is eternal separation from God and goodness. The trouble with sin is it is eternally easier to do, not just let it creep into our lives, it is easier to do, to engage in sinful action, than it is to resist it. The faithful life of a Christian or anyone of faith is more difficult than the sinful one. We will easily start to slide, and before we have time to fully notice it, we will become uh, caught up in a big problem. An easy example is uh, exercise and physical health. I was listening to some uh, professional athletes talking this week on a podcast about what is called the slide. The slide off of the drive and commitment to working out. Now, these are both athletes who have been committed to a life of physical fitness, not just a regular person might do. They are talking about how even after decades of commitment, the slide to take it easy for a day, skip a workout, you know, for whatever reason, is it is so easy to fall into at the beginning of their journeys. But the most interesting thing was that they followed it up to say that it is worse now after 30 years of habit building, to slide off of this commitment or habit if they're not vigilant. It is harder to resist the urge, the suggestive voice in their head to forgo their routine, their habits, their commitment to their path. That is the problem with sin. It is easier to do than your commitment and it will not ever get easier. Now, if you're keeping track, I have said a couple things were the problem with sin now, so a quick little recap here. The problem with sin is it creeps in. It is easily unnoticed. It is easily justifiable. And it is easier than not doing it. The problem with sin is that it can be easier to like than our commitment to our faith, to each other, and to God. There is a reason they talk about the devil being like a thief in the night, because sin and the influence of evil will overtake you if you are not watchful. I have pointed out a lot of problems with sin, and there are certainly more, but I, I don't want to just leave you today with this heavy and sometimes daunting point. Sin is a problem. Each of us have it. I have it, and each one of you listening have it. No one is above it. No one is better than another as we all will sin and push away from God. 
The good news, however, is that the triune God cares and does have an answer for it. Though, as I just said, it is rarely the easy path. In the reading from Judges, God provides a way for the Israelites to get out of their situation. They did suffer, it says, for 20 years. Then God provided a way. You know, though we often don't notice the spirit of God's interventions and influences in our lives, God still provides a way. Remember, God loves you. God loves each of you so much. God loves you all so much that God, through Jesus Christ, died on the cross to defeat sin. Now, this is where the good news and the hard work mix, however. God provides a way through Jesus Christ to deal with the consequences of sin. It requires of you to commit your life to growing faith and that, and that, oh goodness, and that you will have to do your part to engage in a faithful, honorable, and as sinless as possible lifestyle. That is not easy and gets more difficult if you are truly paying attention, but it also requires you to, uh, to, uh, to do one of the most difficult things. That is to search yourself, be vigilant, and reject sin. Reject sin. Watch for the signs and the problems with sins. It means that you do not justify sin. You actually avoid things that will lead you to sin, and not just the little ones, but the big ones altogether equally. And you drive yourself more towards God and faithfulness in those moments. I shared that I struggle with the sin of pride. That means that I have to actively work to not seek accolades that do not further the kingdom of God or do not drive the glory towards God. Again, not that I cannot be proud of the work that I do in the name of God, but that I am not seeking to grow myself more than growing the kingdom of God. The trouble with sin is it is easy. The trouble with faith is it is hard. The rewards for each of those things are stark. In our parable in Matthew, the master took from the unfaithful servant, the one who let fear, doubt, and laziness win and grew the reward of the one who worked. The problem with sin is its rewards is eternal death. That is separation from God. The reward of the faithful, uh, the reward for faithfulness is eternal life. One is easy to obtain, and the other one takes some work. The challenge for you all this week, uh, the question to consider is, what is your creeping sin? What is that thing that you have either justified, become complicit in, or just have come to embrace the ease? What? is it? Identify it. Name it. Look at it and see it for what it is. It is sin. It is the thing that you will allow to separate you from God. The good news is that God provides a way. Jesus paid the price for sin if you follow him. The Spirit has equipped pastors, counselors, friends, and strangers to help support you as you work to beat sin, to beat your problem with sin. 
The problem with sin is that you have to acknowledge it is there and then reject it. So I challenge you all today, dear people of God, search yourself. What is your sin? Is it sloth, gossip, lying, hatred, slander, stealing, lust, drunkenness? What is it? Name it and choose this day, not tomorrow. Who will you serve? Your sin or your God? As I said earlier, there's so much that we could cover on this topic, but we're going to end it here for today. So I encourage you to examine this question, examine yourselves, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on the problem with sin. Down in the show notes is all of the contact for the podcast. You can reach out on social media, uh, through email. If you're listening on Spotify, you can respond directly through this episode's description. There will be a question that you can respond to. As always, I hope that you are doing well. Know that God loves you. God loves you so much, and there is nothing that you or anyone else can do about it. We'll see you in the next episode.